This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. Well, good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. All right, yes. <laughs> my name is Aaron. I'm the deacon of Christchurch. It's my uh, pleasure to study uh, the book of Acts with you. I am not even going to pretend to know everything, and we're all wrestling the scriptures together, learning uh, the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in the history, in the early history of uh, the gospel going west. Uh, and we're up to Acts 15, uh, Acts 16. Uh, but before we read our notes from last week, to catch up for anybody who wasn't there, um, we will honor the Lord and his presence in our little community. Uh, through prayer. Is there anyone who would like to volunteer to pray as we begin? Father, oh, we thank you for this time to set aside to look at your word. We pray, Lord, that you would be amongst us and enlighten our understanding and touch our spirits, Lord, that we may see new things and see more of your glory and your, receive your guidance, Lord, from the testimony of these scriptures. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So last, uh, last week we finished off Acts 15, and here's a record of our discussion. <clears throat> For those that weren't here. So the Jerusalem Council is in full swing. Arguments and testimonies have been given on both sides. Although we actually don't get the, uh, the, the of the speech of the guys on the other side of the table. We only get Peter's speech on our side. Recall that both sides of the argument are our brothers in the Lord. They are full of the Holy Spirit with access to the scriptures, apostles and witnesses of the resurrection. And yet they are both arguing two different things. In the modern setting, this is akin to replacement theology debate. Yes, they are our brothers. They have the same scriptures and they have the Holy Spirit and yet somehow see something different. James stands to deliver the concluding remarks and judges in favor of Peter and Paul. The conclusion is not to make it difficult for new Gentile believers. Circumcision is not mandatory. While food issues remain a problem for the community, these are areas where the Gentiles have particular weaknesses, that is sex and pagan idolatry, and where the Jews were particularly repulsed to do with um, idolatry and various food Issues. Thus, four laws are actually provided for the Gentiles, and three of them pertain to food and meal occasions, so that the Jewish and Gentile members can retain table fellowship. Very important. Torah does remain important to the community, in the effect that the Hebrew Scriptures, the only Scriptures at this point, are read and studied by the community. Thus, the Torah is not ignored. It is read and studied on the Sabbath, no doubt, but is not applied as a yoke on new Gentile believers who remain Gentiles. The conclusion of the Jerusalem Council is transmitted by an encyclical letter addressed to the Gentile believers. As witnesses of this event, several Jewish believers are sent along to validate the document's contents. They are Judas and Silas, who are designated as prophets within the community. One of the primary functions of the prophets in the early church was to strengthen and encourage the community in verse 32. Again, we note that the role of prophet had not actually disappeared 
as is the common, misunderstanding, uh, common understanding and scholarship of both Jewish and Christian scholars, they exist, they are known, they have a function. Now, while the Holy Spirit seemed to be absent from the discussion, right, so we have had Acts 15, two different sides get up, the Holy Spirit doesn't speak, he is noted as agreeing with the conclusion. It seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. While the Holy Spirit can indeed speak and issue commands, as he has done in previous chapters in Acts, it appears he can also agree with the conclusions of men. How he makes this known is not explained in the text. We had a question and discussion on the various councils that have gone on throughout history and whether the Holy Spirit has been in agreement with them. One example, I think, where the Holy Spirit would agree with another human council would be in the debate, debate against Marcion by Tertullian in 140. Anyone know of this event? Yes. And so while um, it's not recorded that the Holy Spirit spoke to Tertullian or to anybody there, I think one would be able to surmise to say that it seemed good to Tertullian and the Holy Spirit that Marcion was wrong. Right? Okay. Um, Anybody got other counsels or, or conclusions by men that one would assume that the Holy Spirit would also be in agreement with? The formation of the canon. There you go. Yeah. Because it wasn't, it was really rubber stamping what the Spirit had brought or demonstrated what in the lives of believers. Yeah, so while there's no voice from heaven saying, here are the books you read, at the end, a list is compiled and people could say, it seems good to the Holy Spirit that this will be our Bible. Yeah, okay, that's not bad. Yeah. Do we have any idea where they held this? Which one? Oh, you mean the, the Jerusalem Council? Uh, somewhere in Jerusalem? No, we don't know exactly where that would be. Uh, I think it's... It's either Eusebius or Josephus. One of the two early historians um, notes that there's a thing called the Church of the Apostles on Mount Zion. But no one knows exactly where that is. We have found Byzantine uh, remains of churches in that area. Uh, and so it could be in that, in that area. But we're not sure. All right, Paul and Barnabas returned to Antioch with the prophets Judas and Silas, who returned to Jerusalem after some time. Again, after some time. Don't you love the way they get very specific on their time stamping? Okay. Paul and Barnabas decide to visit the communities they had established, perhaps to see if the encyclical has had any effect. They're also actually going to also take the encyclical with them. A dispute arises as to the membership of this mission. John, Mark, and Paul having some personal grievances from the past. Barnabas seems willing to forgive previous failures, while Paul seems to be unwilling to risk failure again. Note, this is a case of the pot calling the kettle black. Okay. Considering all that, all the past failures of our, our brother Paul. This results in a split amongst the brethren. Barnabas takes Mark with him to Cyprus, his home ground, and Paul recalls Silas the prophet from Jerusalem as his companion to visit the believers in Galatia. And he actually heads up initially to Tarsus, his old stomping ground. Peter, by this stage, has disappeared from the pages of the sacred history and the Holy Spirit seemed absent from the argument and in the decision to return to the new churches. 
unlike today, where the Holy Spirit seems to be involved in about every facet of a believer's life. Okay, so we uh, out of this chapter, the Holy Spirit kind of shows up as a little tag at the end, whereas if we have a look at the modern day uh, way people talk, it seems that people always say, Holy Spirit told me to go here, Holy Spirit told me to go there, yet sacred history doesn't say that's how he operates. Any questions as to uh, our discussion from last week? Okay, then we're going to begin uh, the what it affectionately gets 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 uh, titled Paul's second missionary journey. Okay, um, and we'll be and we'll read chapter sixteen. And for those who haven't uh, been here before, um, what we do is we just go around the table reading one, one verse at a time. Doesn't matter your translation uh, or language. Uh, I, I'll start. He came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to take him along on a journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities that were delivered them, the decrees were to keep and were ordained the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. For them to keep them. Uh, and saw where the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to Lydia, they were trying to proceed into Bithynia, but the Ruach of Yeshua would not allow them. By passing Lydia, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. As soon as he had seen the vision, we lost no time getting ready to leave for Macedonia. We concluded that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. Then, setting sail from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, the next day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony which is the leading city of that district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for a number of days. But we went out of the city by a river side, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spoke unto the woman which resorted thither. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. When she and members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. 
We're telling you the way to be saved. She kept doing this for many days, but Paul was irritated and turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Messiah Yeshua to come out of her. And it came out of her at that very moment. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. By advocating customs unlawful for us, Romans will accept or practice. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and demanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were, house was shaken. And instantly, all the doors were open, and everyone's bones were un unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. All shouted, shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Then the jailer, calling for lights, rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke to they spoke the word of the Lord to them and to all the others in his house. At that time of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When they came, the chief authorities sent their police officers saying, Release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. The officers report this to the magistrates, but when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. And the Canaan besought them and brought them out and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. Awesome. All right. Is there anything there on an initial surface reading uh, that you've always noticed, that you noticed again, or you never notice? Or something that stood out. I wonder whether if, if um, Paul knew the effect of dealing with a slave girl, his fortune teller, whether he would have still done the same thing. Because he, he seemed to delay, didn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Hmm. He was kind of. It was gradually irritating more and more, but we, we don't know the 
because it, this is kind of the first incident in this sort where, you know, things blow up out of hand or, you know, things escalate. Well, he's had one before. He, he healed oh, oh, uh, right. a crippled man and got and everyone told him he was a god. <laughs> so he's, he's like, oh, I don't think I'll do that again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, verse 31. Uh, what must I do to be saved? That's the question. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. So I was just wondering if that means you and your household will all be saved if you believe. If your household is going to get saved because you believe, or you and your household are saved by the same means, which is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so all those, a lot of questions in there. Um, do you think you have an answer yourself? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I've always wondered about this. Okay. What actually happens in the rest of the story? The whole household was saved. Right, but how, how come? Because they actually go and they all and he talks to the whole household. Well, they preach the message to, to the whole household, yeah. And then they all get baptized, yeah, yeah. not just the one guy. So, I mean, I think the the, the question would have um, a lot more force if just the one guy heard, got baptized, and then the conclusion is you and your whole household are saved. Now that would be very reminiscent of Passover, because what happens at Passover? Yes, a lamb for a household. Yep, so one guy is, is putting the blood on the doorpost. Everyone in the house who has not partaken of, of uh, sprinkling the blood is, is, is saved. So had, had the rest of the story not had them go into, a guy, into his house and tell everybody, and everybody get baptized, we could then probably make a conclusion between that, that and, uh, and Passover. Was he originally speaking about because the uh, the earthquake opened the uh, cell doors that the prisoners might have escaped, and because he was responsible, he wants to go kill himself. Yeah. And 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 what must I do so that authorities don't kill me? Or was it something spiritual? It seems to me it was the first one. Mm -hmm. So that. Yeah. So that the soldiers, so that Roman authorities would yeah. kill him for neglecting to keep the prisoners hmm. in, in prison. They would. Yeah, the, the jailers had and a. Then Paul preaches the gospel to them. He does. In that in that jail scene, what is different between this jail scene and previous jail scenes we've had in Acts so far? Everybody is free. Everyone. Shackles fall off everybody. Now we don't, we're not told whether these are believers or part of Paul's party. Mm. But I suspect it doesn't have to be. I suspect it's everybody there. They're clearly um, impressed by Paul's leadership. So, you know, we're not going to run out of it. You know, God is doing something here. Mm -hmm. Clearly. And it, it, would, it would be a, the wisdom of you know, Paul and Silas to. In the, yeah, in previous jail escapes, you have this angelic figure who shows up and sort of you know says, "Okay, go do this, go here, go there." In this case, there's no angelic figure, and so there's no one to guide them out. So that and so yeah, the conclusion is as Neville says, something's going on. Let's stay around and watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So they 
Yeah, that's a that is one of those phrases that I think appears like two or three times in the entire New Testament. It's mentioned again in somewhere in Philippians, I think. Yeah. Right at the start, you end up with this very interesting phrase, the Spirit of Jesus. Um, and you go, wow. It is mentioned somewhere else in, in Philippians, but but I don't know. What's the word so, Sorry? Uh, Spirit of Jesus is seven. seven. Verse seven. Yeah. The Spirit of Jesus could show himself either through... Or really the adverse circumstances, you just don't get through security, <laughs> <laughs> or whatever they could be. Yeah. Or it could be in a conviction that we're going in a completely wrong direction, yeah. that we're never, we should start to think again. Mm. Or a combination of both. Yeah. And that can be an internal conviction, that I make complete adverse circumstances, where you get to the stage where I think God must be getting through to me about through this adversity. In the, the, this uh, chapter is an interesting chapter in the in the effect of the work of the Holy Spirit. In what does the what does the Holy Spirit do? Stops you from going somewhere. Previously, let's go, let's send out, let's you know. There's sort of this very active thing. Now you have this thing that the Holy Spirit can also stop you from doing stuff all of which is good nothing Paul's doing is bad right? um, so it's an interesting thing and the Holy Spirit has done some, some, some put this in closed quotes negative things as well in the book of Acts kill people okay it's uh, you know fallen on people it's given people the various gifts of, uh, of speaking in, in multiple languages and being baptized and it's all wonderful you can cast out demons and do good stuff but it also can kill people it can speak and direct and he can tell you to go places and he can also stop so the Holy Spirit seems to have um, many many facets to, to his work and was it a, was it a spirit of Jesus sorry I'm puzzled yep don't worry I am too <laughs> so there's a how, cross how, is that how we, can we describe that how, was it a manifestation? Was it a vision? I, I know it doesn't say one of those mysteries that it doesn't answer. There, there, there are things in the text where you know I had a little look to see if I could find um, uh, other reasons or comments as to, but nothing came across as satisfactory. Uh, why is it that you know we finally get to Troas when then then Paul has a vision of some guy saying, "Come to us in Macedonia." Why didn't he get that right at the start? What, what is it about that spot that you suddenly get a vision experience? Yeah, 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 that's right. It's just interesting, I find. Yeah, there's a cross reference the Spirit of Jesus in Galatians where it says, God has sent the Spirit of His Son to our hearts. Okay. Spirit of Jesus, okay. Yeah. So they're interesting phrases. It may be that the Spirit of Jesus was a phrase that Paul used. Um, now, for much of the previous chapters in Acts, Luke would have been going from eyewitness accounts of other people. But now Luke has hooked up with Paul. Well, he's just in a few verses' time. Yep. Uh, so his eyewitness will be the man himself. Yep. 
you would have been, this would have been straight from the horse's mouth. So it may be a turn of phrase that we'll use that other people that he's quoting from or using yeah. their resources are not doing so earlier on in the book of Acts. That's right, because in Alexandrian texts, this is the first time we get the we passages. In Western texts, they show up in um, Acts 11. Okay. So. Well, we can't put the Holy Spirit in a box, otherwise and we have a formula. Right, that's and what we've so, been learning. And so <laughs> he's teaching us one is government, mm -hmm. you know, to come under his government. And uh, the way he would move in one situation would not apply to another. That is most definitely clear, yes. Okay, let's uh, have a, a look now at the text, see how far we get. So chapter 16, verse 1, you get a singular verb here. Uh, he came to Derby and then to Lystra, um, even though that we, are, we are in a party. Okay, we're not um, one person, but it is a singular verb, m most likely uh, to denote that Paul's in charge. Okay, it's not Paul and Barnabas anymore. Now it's just Paul. And uh, we no longer use Paul and Barnabas uh, as, a, as these two words that constantly show up together. Um, it's just him. Paul and company. Paul and company. So he goes to Derby and then to Lystra. Now, notice he's doing the reverse of his first trip. So in his first trip, he finished in Derby. Now he starts, and in the in in, in the uh, in Acts 14, it says the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby, and then you get that one sentence: they preached the good news in that city, and they won a large number of disciples, and then they returned to Lystra. So our information of what happens in Derby is not very great. Okay. Um, here, um, Paul is doing. Uh, a land journey. He's come up from Antioch uh, in Syria. He's gone over into Tarsus and then he's gone across to, to Derby, which is a sort of right on the border of Galatia. And um, there, and then he moves on to Lystra. So once again, how much information do we hear about Derby? Not a lot. Mm -hmm. um, the, the Derby and Lystra are not big centers of uh, Jewish population. In Acts 14, we discover that they don't have synagogues. They can't form minyans. Uh, it's largely, largely Gentile. There's a few Jews around. And we get to meet another one. Lystra is also the place where he, Paul, does his first obvious uh, use of miraculous power where he heals that crippled man and is proclaimed to be a god. So <clears throat> he's going to have to be very careful with which power he uses. So here he meets a disciple named Timothy. Okay, and I think in Greek it comes out as a, what is it, Timotheos? Is that what it looks like? Timotheos, which is a which even though it's a Greek name is a is a very <coughs> nice name. Theos. What's the, what's Theos in Greek? God. Yeah. And correct. Yeah, honoring God or to honor the Lord. It's a nice name. Okay. And so, and he's a disciple. So he actually is a believer. And and he lives uh, somewhere in the Derby Lystra area. 
Now, how did he become a believer? It's possible that he became a believer on the first trip. It's possible that he became a believer afterwards, that uh, the, the community that's formed there has been sharing the news and uh, he comes to faith, particularly because his mother and his grandmother are believers. Right? Uh, his mother was a Jewess and a believer, so she was already of the household of faith. But father is Greek. Now, later on in the books of Timothy, you actually get their names. And their names are um, Lois and Eunice, I think, is their names. And uh, you don't get the name of his dad at all, ever. So what are some of the implications of that? What will be some reasons why? Maybe he wasn't a believer. It's very possible that he had, was not a believer. What's another option? We don't talk about dad because dead. he's dead. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, Jesus' dad dies, right? And so we don't talk about him. It's 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 possible that, um, and 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 there is an early early Orthodox tradition that actually has. Um, uh, dad dying young and uh, grandmother raised uh, Timothy. I don't know where they get that idea from, but it's a it's an orthodox tradition and so there's a really nice picture, um, I don't know who painted it, um, you see this young boy leaning up against uh, his grandmother and she's taking care of him and, and the, the caption in the bottom is uh, t uh, Timothy and, 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 and Lois or Timothy and Eunice or something like that so anyway so, you were in an area where there's not a large Jewish presence, they don't, they don't have a synagogue, and you can see lots of assimilation going on. Why? Because Jews are marrying Gentiles. Right? And uh, although, having said that, they really did give their son a good name. Okay, so she hasn't forgotten her roots at all. Because when she has a child, she goes and gives him a very good name. But what doesn't dad do for him? Doesn't circumcise him, okay? Um, and so there's, there's there's and so there's probably not a lot of Jews around to remind Timothy that that's what should have happened either. Okay, so very very weak in terms of uh, Jewish people. Maybe there was no one who could do that. There's also possible that there just was no moil around. Although uh, what we're going to find is that Paul himself seems to do this this. Um, uh, Operation himself, okay. Um, so mm. you, you'd want to want to get know these guys really well, wouldn't you? Okay, let let them do this to you. Okay, verse two. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Now the brothers. Ever since Acts fifteen, what does the brethren mean? Who does it apply to? Everyone. Now it's both Jews and Gentiles. Yep. So where there, everyone's a brother. Yep. So there, the brothers at uh, Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And what, what happened in Iconium? What was that famous for in Acts 14? Yeah, these are the guys who, you know, get, they, they really didn't like Paul. Not only that, they chased him all the way to Derby and, uh, and Lystra. So, but the community there had grown and spoke well of, of our little friend Timothy. I you know if this was a movie, 
you see the in-between parts. Now, one layer with the road walk from Galilee down to Jerusalem. Painful business, if you ask me. And I don't see the Lord having written on a donkey or anything there. So how did they travel? Uh, chariots, we are not told. But um, if it was a movie, then we would see where they stopped and where they ate and all the rest of it. A little bit of, uh, yeah, artistic license. Artistic license. I remember um, a long, long time ago. So here we're, we're talking probably right at the start of the Intifada, I think it was 2001. And uh, we were in Kelvin's house and there was a movie on Israeli television and it was um, Yeshu, okay, film, film about Jesus. And it had these little cut shots. So you see Jesus walking along um, as he was walking into, into town and everyone's got their tleets on and things like that and uh, Jesus is uh, has a little bit of a sense of humor because he would sort of walk up behind Peter and tap him on the shoulder mm -hmm. and Peter's walking around, you know, who did that? Or they would come to a, a well and they'd start drinking and then Jesus would splash water and all end up in this water fight and then he, everyone's laughing and then they would sit down and then he would begin to tell a story. <coughs> so the, whoever made this movie made it Jesus to, to have a normal human character. I thought it was a well done show. Some of the believers didn't like it because it made Jesus to be. Yes, yeah, so look a lot human. I thought it was great. Made him I thought, yeah, I thought was, yeah, the artistic license showed some of these cut shots. All right. So uh, uh, Paul gets some basically a good recommendation. So Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcises him. All right. Um, so because of the Jews who lived in that area. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. So. It's past tense too, had been a Greek. Is it? Is it past tense? Well, anyway, well, None of the original. No? There's no verb. There's no verb? No verb. Oh, okay. No Greek was father. Yeah. Like, yes. It should be implied. Implied. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the Greek is, yeah, it's not, it's not a past tense Greek. Yeah. Um, all right, so what, what piece of information are they holding in their hands to give to all the believers that they meet? A letter. A letter. Okay, what does the letter say? Don't have to get circumcised. Okay, so what are we doing here? <laughs> so what's the, what's, the, what's the, what actually is the logical conclusion, but let's follow through. He considers that because his mother is uh, Jewish, then... He will inherit his Jewishness from her. I don't know whether people would have, whether it was conventional, whether it was a matter of choice. But, uh, but I thought actually that the matriarchal line came later on. In, in so did I. Uh, yeah. So did I, actually, Neville. I was a bit surprised that, um, I mean, the text is constantly referring to mother's Jewish, dad's Greek. Mother's Jewish, dad's Greek. We get that a few times. Um, and uh, there's not a lot of Jews in this area. No one's been challenging him as he's been growing up. You know, you really should be getting circumcised. Um, however, there seems to be something that um, Paul's concerned about, particularly going forward. Yeah, we're going to an area where there's some Jewish people, and I really would like to have this guy done in. I mean, you can, you can contrast that with Titus, where he refuses. He, he does. He makes a case against Titus needing to be uh, circumcised. 
because Titus is is a complete 100% Greek. And in the case in, in Galatians where we are arguing that, what were they asking circumcision for? For salvation. Right? No, that was that big thing. They, Jew, uh, Gentiles need to be circumcised for salvation. That was their argument. And, uh, and so here, circumcision has nothing to do with salvation. Right? There's, there's no, you know, we're not, we're not worried about salvation. What we're concerned about is some Jewish people. Okay? So there's a big difference between these, these, uh, these things. Because so. here, if his father's Jewish and his father's not around, Therefore, they assume they're Jewish. Could be, but they, they definitely... Brother people, brother people, other Jews. Right. The, yeah, whoever, whoever the, the local community know that dad's a Gentile, but, but, but perhaps some others don't. Yeah, yeah it's, it's possible. Well, there's a grafting in and promises to lay hold of also. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because Acts 15, the encyclical that we, took, that we send out, Who's it addressed to? It's addressed to Gentiles, right? Saying you don't have to get circumcised, you don't have to. But it's not addressed. It's not saying to Jews, don't get circumcised. That's that's it's, that's that's not what Acts 15 has said. And so I don't think Paul is contradicting himself, as some commentators will say. They will have a real issue with. With, with, with Paul, okay. Um. Do we have any other evidence that people could kind of choose which, you know, if they had a, a Jewish one Jewish parent? No, no. Do you know any? Whose faith they could follow? Mm. You know, in this in the first century. Can't think. It's interesting that when Paul writes his letter to Timothy in Timothy, 2 Timothy ends up with some more information. He does say things like, you've known the scriptures from your youth, which would therefore imply that what has mum been teaching him? Right. But what has she not been doing? Circumcising him. Same thing happened to Moses. Just so everybody knows. <laughs> right? Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that one. If he was a proselyte, yes, he would have be, he would have been be Jewish by this stage and would have been circumcised. So, um, yeah. So, so it would seem as if he, he did it some 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 commentators will say that that Paul knows okay this is an interesting issue that I've got in front of my face here I've got a really cool letter that's that tells Gentiles you don't have to do this but now I've got myself a bit of a conundrum 
uh, and I know that I'm going to an area where I'm going to encounter some Jewish people. So what's, what's my option? My option is to do, to circumcise. To, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. I mean, another option is he could have just left Timothy there. Okay, that could have been one option. It's like, you know what? I'm going to an area. This is really, I don't really need this headache. So, Timothy, you're a great chap. Stay here with mum. <laughs> uh, I'll find an, another hero. But, but there is something about Timothy that Paul liked. Okay? Uh, we don't know what it is. Okay? Um, he, he comes with some glowing references for a couple of verses from lots of people. So whatever he is, you know, mum's taught him some good Torah. He knows some Bible. Okay? And so we circumcise him. And, uh, and, and, and some comments all over the, all over the, uh, the world will, will, will say that this is an issue for, for Paul. Okay. You know, I like to think and speculate about the future and so we sort of have debate. It might be a question that comes up a little bit later, perhaps, for the church. Maybe. For the, for the, the, the Jewish part of it. Yeah. The like, circumcision today is performed in many countries and it has nothing to do with actually religious observance. So, so it's a, uh, you know, there's articles written in, in medical journals talking about the health benefits thereof. And um, yeah, less so for the guy and more so for the girl, actually. So anyway. I was just going to say, maybe uh, Paul formulated his ideas about the millennial man over time, and maybe he identified Timothy as a, a way to help, you know, he saw the Gentiles coming into Israel, and that was a, a glimpse of it. Could be. I mean, to take Timothy, who had a, a non-Jewish parent and a non-Gentile parent, who knew the scriptures very well, yep. that he, like, sanctioned him. And he was seen, you know, because he wrote later about, he wrote about the one new man. Yes, he, right. Right. So the coming of Gentiles into, into the Israelite community. Yeah, to stay as Gentiles. So well, they're not getting accepted, circumcised. To be accepted yeah. by the Jews. Right. And, and to come into the community of faith. And yeah. So if Jews don't get circumcised, what does that mean? Right, so according, yeah, it's a, it's a sign of the covenant. Mm -hmm. So I actually do know some secular Jews today who didn't circumcise their kids. Yeah? One of them is, guess who, Theodore Herzl. <laughs> yeah, didn't, did not circumcise his son, right? Um, and, uh, and so it is a modern phenomenon where devoid of any faith, devoid of any uh, reason to read the Bible and apply it to your life, that I don't know. Um, yeah, I know he didn't do it to his own own kid. Um, is that yeah? I've met some met some <coughs> Israelis who, who don't do that now. Okay. So so the 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 Greek there I think is um, implies that Paul did it, correct? Yeah. It's a simple meaning of it, yeah. On a literal reading, it, it kind of looks like this operation was actually performed by Paul himself. Okay. Um, okay. 
So, you know, his um, physical defect uh, wasn't that he was short-sighted or anything, okay? Whatever that thought of the flesh was, okay? it's, it's, he's definitely got some steady hands. Okay. That's so, good eyesight. That's good eyesight, yes. So, as they travel from town to town, they uh, deliver the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So, they're carrying the message and they're going from place to place. And they're sharing it. Um, doesn't say how they're doing it, but it does show us or tell us a summary statement of of um, what happened. So, in 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 my version, which is uh, Alexandrian text based, <coughs> says so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Anyone got anything different there? Okay, because the, the parallel Western version of this text has, and while going through the cities, they preached and delivered to them with all boldness, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, delivering at the same time also the commandments of the apostles. Okay, so here we have the churches were strengthened in faith and they grew daily in number. And the Western text gives you a, a lot more information as to what they're doing. They're just interesting how different readings of Acts appear through history and, uh, and who's reading what. Okay. Um, so they do strengthen people in their faith. Who's actually with them right now? Who's, who's, who are the companions? Silas. Yes, and Silas is a? Prophet. prophet. Okay, and what, what's one of the roles of the prophets? To strengthen and encourage, yes. So he's, he's you know, doing that around the way. And, it's, you know, so it's kind of nice to have a prophet along with you. And an apostle and a prophet working together. You've got an apostle and a prophet, yep. So Paul and his companions, is verse 6 now, traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having, kept, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So here we have, for the first time, the Holy Spirit uh, yeah, forbidding an activity as opposed to empowering an activity. Uh, and it's, uh, it's interesting that he would do such a thing. Okay. So how are they prevented by the Holy Spirit? The text doesn't say. So what would you imagine might be one of the ways the Holy Spirit would stop uh, the companions from from doing this this activity. Okay, maybe a dream. Maybe nobody would take them in. Or... It's possible. Yeah, every time they went to a town, oh, you know, no one likes us here. We're running out of money. Where do we go? Does yeah. um, anyone have that experience in their life that perhaps? Uh, the Lord didn't want you to go a certain place because you just plain ran out of money? I did hear with Professor Adrian first saying that he wanted desperately to have a dream. So he thought, okay, I've got to take, uh, not take any money, but the Lord wants me to have a dream. I went over the main roads, nothing. I shall be able to cut the thunder and I should be down, a on the floor. No, nothing had to got to the public house and asked what he wanted and still no 
bolts from heaven or anything like that. He said to the man, he would have this glass of beer or whatever it was, put his hands in his pocket and he didn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a case of, all right, the Lord got him to the 11th hour and he said, you, you disobeyed. I said, you couldn't have that drink. You disobeyed and you went all ahead and got it. Now if you can't pay, because you haven't got any money anymore. You haven't got any money. So. <laughs> Who is this? Adrian Glass. He's a well, British. Uh, oh, he wrote a little Adrian Glass in 11 and 3 quarters or something. It was his yes. um, way of presenting the gospel in a human, yeah. holistic way. Yeah. yeah the, the, it's interesting that the text gives us an activity of the Holy Spirit but then doesn't explain how it actually occurs, except that it occurs. I wouldn't have thought it would have been just opposition or unfriendliness because they, you know, they've encountered that and that's not going to stop them from preaching the gospel. So it has to be something different than just plain you know, yep. negativity from the people. Yep. Because, yeah. I think they must have been in trouble because uh, I've been in a situation where, quite frankly, in the church situation, I mean, they virtually give no one to talk to no one and I suddenly realised there's no point in continuing. Okay. And then, they, and then I, I went to a tender sermon, my minister didn't know about my situation, which is in 2012. <coughs> and all these words, why are you here? <coughs> what are you doing here? And virtually clear off. Uh, and we, within a week, we turned in the letter and said goodbye. Yeah. And so there was a trouble that we didn't realise it just was not right to continue. So, yeah. In this country, for those of us who live here, what would be a good, clear sign that the Holy Spirit doesn't want you here? The visa gets revoked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a yeah. That would be one clear way. What was that way? Your visa is revoked. Oh no. <laughs> One could be you have nowhere to stay. It's interesting how sometimes we, when we sit down now and we can sometimes laugh about it, but um, what appears clear to one person is certainly just looks like another challenge from the Lord, doesn't it? So some people don't get their visa and they say, well, this is the work of the enemy. All the Holy Spirit. I mean, really, it's one of the two. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But that's what, that's what happens. And, and here, the, we're not sure how they're, they're told. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to go north. Okay? In terms of where they are on the map, they're, they're trying to head towards you know, the, the, the Black Sea area. Okay? That's uh, the next verse. The next verse, is it? Asia was south. Asia south. Okay, so they're trying to go... Uh, so, yes, that's Mycia right. To Asia would have been north. So they come to the border of uh, Mycia and they try to enter yeah. Bithynia. Okay, so that, that's the Black Sea bit. Okay, Bithynia. That's one one of the towns on the all the, the area. Way. The Black Sea area is Pontus. Pontus. Yeah. Is this all in northern, all like northern Turkey? I'm trying to picture. Yeah. Yes. Bithynia is in the middle of yeah. in the middle of western Anatolia. So they're slowly working their way west. Yeah. Right, and uh, they can't go south. Yeah. And they try and go north, so they and they don't want to go back because they're coming from the east, so they kind of okay. keep pushing west. And this is where you get that in verse seven, you get that very interesting phrase. 
So when they come to the border of Bithynia, they tried to enter, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to. Okay, now we, we, we've, in the previous uh, sentence, it was the Holy Spirit. Now we get the phrase Spirit of Jesus. Now, it could just be this is a style of writing, and the two are synonymous. Okay, um, or the author is trying to make a point by deliberately not saying the same thing twice. I don't know. Um, or maybe we're all just reading way too much into it. <laughs> Which is also very possible. <laughs> so, either way, um, the spirit, the breath of God, uh, is, is not allowing them to do stuff. So, instead of giving them things to do, the text is telling you things not to do. So, what are they doing? Okay. And maybe geography has something to do with it. Mountains, barrenness. Remember, Silas is a prophet, so maybe he's actually getting instructions from yeah. the Lord. Okay, maybe you know it's it's kind of handy to have one of these guys around because you know they're it's yeah. Um, not sure. You know, Paul wakes up in the morning and says, "Okay, guys, I really think we should go north." And Silas <coughs> goes, "No, sorry, I've had a dream. We're not doing that." Okay. <laughs> a word from the Lord. Oh, okay. So, what are they doing? What have they got in their hand? They got Acts chapter 15 in their hands. <laughs> what, what are they doing? They're preaching the word. They're actually doing their job. And so there's no need for the Holy Spirit to keep saying, so today I want you to preach the word. And then in the morning you wake up, Holy Spirit says, oh, today I want you to uh, preach the word. Why? Because that's their job. And there's no need to keep saying it again and again and again. Uh, but there is a need to tell them where not to go, mm. for whatever reason. Direction. Yeah. Okay? There isn't a need to say, now do this, this, and this. But there is a need to tell them what not to do, mm. for whatever reason. Okay? So instead, they, uh, they, they passed by Mycenae, this is in verse 8, and they went down to Troas, which is on the coast. Uh, now we're all the way west. Is Troas still there? I don't think it is. Is it? It is. It is. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Troas. And and uh, and during the night, this is where Paul has a vision. Even though he's got with him a prophet, it's Paul who ends up with the vision sequence. Paul has a vision of a man. Uh, a man of Macedonia, uh, which is on the other side of the sea, or Bay Area, whatever they call that, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Uh, now, why do you think we had to have this vision here? Well, it's port, it, it is, yes. It's an obvious jumping off place to go to Macedonia. Yeah. But the, the assumption was they more likely the natural thing would have been head south towards Ephesus because it was the, the main metropolis, yeah. the big big city of the region. Yeah. So that would have been the natural inclination to go where the people were, to, you know, concentrations of people. I think, but it, 
clearly that happens later. In other words, I think the Lord is saying, saying to them, uh, don't go to Ephesus yet, go this way and get a bit more experience. Because Ephesus is going to be a massive challenge. Mm -hmm. of, you know, reading later on. <coughs> yeah. Fighting beasts at Ephesus. This, this is also a huge breakthrough. I mean, it's passing from one continent to another, one, one people group to another. Geography, yes. It's, and of course, there's a, a sea there. It's, it's actually suggestive of the kind of the parting of the Red Sea. They're, they're up against it. What they've been doing here is they've just been kept, kept going Land west because that's the direction they're going. They, they came from the east. They couldn't go north. They couldn't go south. So go west. So you go west, and what do you hit? Hit, hit the water. So the natural reaction here is, let's go to the next big city. And instead, you get um, a dream sequence. And you get the, the vision um, of the man. Now, it's interesting that in these little verses, the Holy Spirit is, is listed as forbidding. Spirit of Jesus forbids. But then a vision tells you what to do. Right? The text doesn't say, now the Holy Spirit instructed Paul to go across the sea. And isn't that interesting, the way that, for whatever reason, the sacred history records it this way. Okay? Uh, in our modern way of speaking, that is definitely not we, the way we talk. In our modern way of speaking, we ascribe absolutely everything to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, which is... Yeah. I think there's a bit of a hint here as well of the preciousness of communications from God and their relative rarity. Right. We are we are hugely presumptive when we throw around things like the Lord told me and uh, it's not to say that he doesn't. He certainly should and wants to, but words from God are very precious and he needs and wants to be sought for them and be treasured and carried out diligently. And so I think the passage is telling us this here. They weren't, they weren't, uh, they weren't holding a, a satellite phone to heaven to their ear uh, second by second. They had to work at it. And when they got the word, then after days and days had passed, they did it. And, and uh, what I also like is that in between these times where God speaks, people are not static. They're doing stuff. They're doing their job. And they know their job. It's one of those things, you know, we all know what we've got to do. But, but too many of us actually just sit around and wait for God to tell us. He's already told you, what does the Lord require of you, O man, says the prophet. Right? You know. Um, there's an interesting uh, uh, take on the idea of dreams. Just, just a little line from the Talmud. It means nothing other than it's a little line from the Talmud, which says that a dream is one sixtieth the part of a prophecy. <laughs> okay, what do they say? Uh, a dream which is not interpreted is like a book that's not read. Okay, is that um, you know, um, people have dreams and they're important and they might be a vehicle of communication, um, but they might not be either, because notice they're only one sixtieth of a prophecy. They're not the prophecy themselves. Okay? Uh, although in this case, it definitely was a uh, 100% uh, prophecy or, or prophetic material for Paul. He, and maybe Paul's personality was such that he needed, because Paul was headstrong, and maybe he needed a vision to... Yeah, it's possible. 
Yeah. I mean, so far he's done well. He hasn't had, managed to have a yeah. fight with any of his uh, compatriots, so he's doing well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Barnabas is. We don't, actually don't know what Barnabas is doing. Yeah, he's Never shot off to Cyprus. Him. Yep. Never heard from him again. But he took John with him, uh, John Mark. But here Paul was doing one of the most important jobs in the world at that time. And it's so very important that a, uh, God directed him to, you go here, go there, don't go mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And what he was doing is quite enormous. Uh, yes, but he's not the only one. Who takes the gospel to Egypt? Mark. Yeah. And uh, that's recorded in other uh, books, not in our Bible. Um, and so he also has experiences uh, like that. Um, there actually is a, a book called The Acts of Timothy. Again, apocryphal, and it's not in, in our Bible, and it describes what Timothy does, and it describes his end. Uh, anyone know how Timothy ends up? Okay. Yeah, he gets killed like everybody else, yeah, poor guy. Um, but when he's about 80 years old, um, he and there's a procession uh, of people going to go and, and slaughter some cows to some pagan god, and uh, he decides to stand on a rock as they're all passing by and, be, and preach the gospel. And uh, while he's doing that and describing how that, you know, the, these sacrifices are stupid and the gods aren't real and all that kind of stuff, um, people get very angry and kill him and, uh, and sort of burn him on uh, the stuff that they were going to burn a sacrifice on. Um, so whether that's true or not, we don't know, but it's recorded in other, other texts. But uh, yeah, for our sacred history, we don't hear about Barnabas, but we hear about Paul, and we see that God uh, uses different ways to guide people. Okay? And the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, Spirit of Jesus, vision. It can't put him in a box. There's no formula for this. Okay, Paul had seen the vision. Here's, a, here's a verse 10. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. So who's the we here? Luke, yes, Lucas has shown up. Right? So, uh, um, now we, we get um, those we passages. And it's interesting that some of the commentators uh, say... This is a slip-up. <laughs> right, they'll say, he didn't really mean to say this. He, he, he would have, if he'd been paying attention, he would have put it in better, better prose. But, I don't know. I think, you know, we're into the eyewitness stuff here. And so our textual uh, evidence of our Alexandrian texts puts the wee passages here, whereas um, Western texts put, put it back in Antioch because they'll say that Luke's from Antioch and he picks up there and they have wee, wee passages uh, from Acts 11. Our starts here. Okay, so we have, we get up, we get ready to leave for once. Concluding, okay, who's concluding? The group, the we, okay? So Paul has the vision, he gets up over breakfast, I've just had a dream, what do you think it is, guys? and they make a decision, we conclude that God has called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay. So uh, we're all going to go in and do this. He's submitting for confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that seems also to be something that Paul does, right? He's had the Holy Spirit spoke to them in Antioch, go and preach the gospel. 
and and they and that included Gentiles, and yet we still have to have a human council to figure out if this is actually the will of the Lord or not. Uh, which is an interesting way to, to to do. And wouldn't it be nice if we all did this? Someone comes in and says, "The Lord spoke to me. Let's talk about that and see if that's true." Okay? But that's not the way it works usually. Usually it's not a group decision, it's usually quite individual and personal. And usually not right. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to introduce another lady. So from Troas, we put out to sea, verse 11, and sailed straight for uh, Samothrace. Is that how you say it in the Greek? Samothraki. Samothraki, okay, which is uh, I think an island, isn't it? Okay, in the... One of the, yeah. And the next day, on to Neapolis. From there, they travel to Philippi, which is a uh, gets a little description of it, a Roman colony, and leading city of the district of Macedonia. Okay, Roman colonies uh, are places where we're resettling retired Roman soldiers. Okay, it seems to be that part of your payment if you join the Roman army was. Um, if you survived, and a lot did, like it was, you know, joining the army wasn't a death sentence, um, you would be able to get a, a, a sum of money and some land. And they would build cities where conveniently where they want. Um, have a guess who kind of does that today. <coughs> the, there's a few... There's a, there's a few... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think of that one. Uh, there's a few of the West Bank settlements which were actually created by the army. And they have a unit uh, where if you join that particular unit, um, you end up doing less military service, and you do two years instead of three. Um, but the proviso is when you finish, you go live there. Who does this? The Israeli army. Israeli army. And one of those places is actually Kibbutz El Mog. That's one of them. That's our closest one. Where Kibbutz Al Mog is not a kibbutz like we would know it. As it turned out, a bunch of settlers moved down there and started digging up the earth. It's actually an army establishment. They built it and they and they made their soldiers farm and they they want a presence. So they're not the only ones. It's a it's a time honored tradition, guys. Okay. And uh, the Roman army was doing it. Okay. Yep. So. Uh, we're in Macedonia. Who's famous from Macedonia? Philip. Philip? And his son. And his son, the other guy. <laughs> What's his name? What's his name? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Alex. Alexander. Right. And uh, and so they stay there for for several days. Now, isn't that why you normally? Just some time. But here, it's, it's a, actually, we end up getting a little bit more Pacific. Probably because we've got an eyewitness now. Keeping records. Next phrase is quite an interesting little little encounter. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river. Now the we here, who are they all? No, it's Paul, Silas, Lucas, Timothy. And they're all Jews. Right? And uh, so it's very important to all of them. Okay, so on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Mm. What's interesting about that sentence? 
<laughs> there's not a synagogue. Yeah, there's there's not a large Jewish presence. There is a small one, but there's not there's, there's no synagogue. Like it's not it's not easy to say. Well, let's just go to the synagogue. We'll be fine. But it is the Sabbath. You need to go pray. Where do the Jews pray in this part of town? Somehow they know. If we go down to this river, that's where people gather for prayer. Now, why would Jews, if they just lived in the area, go to a river to gather for prayer? Yes, correct. Uh, river flowing is a is a is a functioning mikveh. Okay. So, particularly, uh, what uh, what who would be using this quite regularly if you're Jewish? Women. The women, yes. And so who do we end up going to encounter? Women. We're going to encounter some Jewish women. Okay. Um, so we sat down and began to speak to the women who were gathering in that spot. So isn't that interesting? Um, normally, what are you always trying to find? Trying to find a minyan, yes? Which is ten righteous men. men. When you haven't got men, what can you use? Yeah. <laughs> women are not excluded from prayer. Right? Yeah. There, there's, there's this sort of idea that you know only men went to synagogues. Actually, that's not true. It's not true today, and it's not true in the past. Okay. And uh, so women pray. Anyone been on a bus and watched women pray? Yeah. Yes, you have. Yeah. They all pray super fast. Okay, that's just a thing. Okay, but yes, you know. In fact, I, I've often found it. It's often it's mainly women who are doing it. Okay, it's I. I no, they're not gathered. That's right. They're not gathered together. Oh, but on the train or something, when they ask for a minion. Yeah, it's all still so men. men. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Or out in the park or something. Yeah, but it has. But women gather for prayer. Yeah. And what's the most obvious place in this city where women gather for prayer? Wedding. The Western Wall. Yeah. Right. And uh, when you go to the Western Wall, you can definitely find some very devout women praying. Because when you finish praying, uh, what do you have to do, guys? We have to take a minimum of three steps back. If you're a woman, what seems to be 110, okay? Because <laughs> they pretty much walk all the way back to their cars backwards, okay? The men, they do like three, and then they turn around and they're done. But women, they're just more devout, okay? They're just more there. And you see them actually back back further than the men do. But here, we've got women. Women. They, they're Jewish, they've come for prayer. And one of those listening, and, they start, and we start talking to them. Okay. Uh, one of those listening was a woman named Lydia. And, and it gives her a job uh, description. She's a dealer in purple cloth from the city of uh, Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. Um, most likely because she's now in the place of, of, of prayer. It indi- that would indicate that she's not Jewish. Mm. Is that really doesn't among the God-fearing crowd. So that's interesting. That in this in this uh, area we end up with Jew and Gentile women gathering for prayer. That's kind of cool. Interesting. Uh, the Lord opens her heart to respond to Paul's message. Any want to make a comment on that verse? Wait, how do you know? How do we know here she's not Jewish? Because the word that described it is like it's the word for God fearers. If she was Jewish, she'd been called Jewish. Does it say Theosphobe? No, it's a Sebum. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. What would what does anyone get from that verse? Well, maybe the message was that actually uh, Gentiles are now welcomed into the kingdom. Uh, and so there was suddenly some of the barriers are dissolved. And yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah could she be. She God fear was actually uh, yeah, welcome with open arms. Yeah. And as a trader in purple, what does also that give her? She's rich. Yeah, and once again, we encounter rich women. Whatever it is about this Bible, it loves the rich women. <laughs> okay. um, uh, yeah, so it's, it's interesting that there's something about Paul's message, whatever it is, uh, and, it's, and he's had a lot of experience now of sharing with Gentiles. And, uh, and, and she's, she's, uh, she, she responds. And when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. So where do they get baptized? In the river. Okay, right then and there. And it's not just her. It's her and household. whoever they are. Okay. So there's quite a few people hearing this uh, story. And it's quite successful. Uh, so they, they, we go to her, her place. Uh, and if you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuades us. Yes. And so here you have a, another very definite boundary crossing. We've done it in Acts 10. We've had the, the Jewish apostle Peter go and move into a Gentile home. Here we have them all do it. Okay. Go into a Gentile home, which is, which is excellent. Okay. So now we have this little story, okay, sort of the once upon a time version. Okay. I'm not sure how long we're staying with Lydia. Uh, once we were going to the place of prayer, which is the place of prayer. Where's that? By the river. Now, where can you pray? Anywhere you like. Okay. But that doesn't mean that holy places are not holy places. And when, when people want to pray, there's nothing wrong with saying, I'm going to go to the church and pray. I'm going to go to the synagogue and pray. Or I'm going to go to my prayer closet. Or I'm going to go to a certain spot where I have, it's become our custom or place of prayer. And that actually can make that ground holy. Uh, so they go to this place, wherever it is. And everyone knows that it's there. Uh, and we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit. No idea what she's doing there. Uh, by which she predicted the future. Okay. Yeah. Although I'm not 100% sure that's what the Greek actually means, is it? It is. It's it a, is. It's a spirit of divination. Divination? Okay. We make a big deal about the pithon, which we have as a python snake, but it was a spirit of divination. Right. So uh, she has this ability. Okay. Uh, and and this, this ability comes from what? A demon. A demon. Yeah. Is that uh, the, the, the demons have access to power. Mm -hmm. right? And it's probably the, some of the, one of the reasons why people are attracted to them. Okay? Is that they just they, they get attracted to this, this like by power. It, it goes together probably with a misapprehension of the nature of time and the future in my opinion. Because God has created the world with certainties, and He's 
not communicated his chronology to anyone. Mm -hmm. no, no one knows the future. I mean, Jesus told us clearly. When asked about news, he was going to come. Brother he says, he encouraged it to say, no one knows the times or the seasons that the Father alone has in his authority. And we want to embrace a deterministic view of the future that says it's all been done, we just have to walk in it. That's not how God works at all. And this spirit here doesn't know either. No. He's, he's just communicating something, instilling a, and a false faith, a.k.a. A, a, a fear, yep. whereby the devil is going to fulfill their fears and make their future come true through this, through this demonic uh, prophecy. And that's how all of this works. It, nobody knows the future, including the, the demons and the devils. That anything represented to the contrary is a deceptive uh, allurement. Right. What she does is not telling the future. Right. Right. She tells presents. Well, she's probably giving a false view of the future or a, a presumptuous view of the future, inviting the people to walk into it and being scared in the same Yeah. The, the demons probably incredibly a, a very good reader of humans. And probably, you know, as the as the humans come, sort of senses, oh, I know what this person wants. I can see it, you know, and then plays to their weaknesses and their desires and things. Or, as, uh, as uh, uh, our brother is, is, is sharing, the devil could, could chip in. And also, the devil sometimes likes to give truth for his own sinister reasons. Possible. You know, sometimes the devil... And you often find that most demonic leaders in world history, you all know who they are, often start by saying things that are plainly true. And right. then they turn them into a lie, or factually correct. Right. They say, you know, our nation's been humiliated, most of the needs to be happen. They go, hey, 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 that's not true. And then the truth is used to hook people into lies. Right. Yes, because that's right. Because the devil is is not only is the father of lies, but he's also uh, an angel of light. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Yeshua didn't want the testimony of of the demons, and he would tell them to be quiet. To be quiet. Yeah. Be quiet. He didn't want their testimony, perhaps for that reason, so as not to twist. The, Maybe. The truth. But as Arya points out, this girl she knows exactly who who they are. Right, so uh, this girl, she's a, she's a money earner for her, for her owners. This girl follows Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. Yeah, she's actually saying the truth. <laughs> yeah. And it would be interesting that, you know, you pay this girl for your fortune, and she tells you your fortune. And you go, wow, she's obviously really cool. And then she comes along and says, these men are actually from God. Are they going to tell you how to be saved? I got that, that one for free. Wow. But no one, no one, no one listens to her. Okay. Um, it's not like somebody says, wow, that was amazing. I think I'll become a believer in Jesus now. Um, but whatever this shouting is, it's quite disruptive. She kept this up for many days. Yeah. Why do you think... Paul wouldn't cast the demon out initially. Like, the first thing we do is we meet a demon. Cool! Let's go! <laughs> right? There's, there's not that. And because what has been Paul's experience last time he did a miracle? 
he was worshipped as a god. <laughs> yeah, so it was a case of, well, that really doesn't work for me. No, 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 right. But here, why does, he, why does it take him so long? There's a, there's a dynamic to the confrontation, in my opinion, that uh, builds up both in the, uh, in both of the confrontees, and we see this in Jesus' own ministry. It's when the manifestations become extreme in Jesus then adopted extreme measures. It's not the first thing you do with people is start casting up demons. I feel he also needed time to discern the will of God and how to deal with this issue. Mm-hmm. Now, when you come from this thing like that, should I go and hold them blazing? Should I just pray that the Lord removes the girl? Okay. You know, should I pray that she jumps into the water and does it come back or what? So I think you have to discern the Lord's will. How shall I deal with this issue? Well, what's the girl actually saying? She, she's telling people. This man told you how to be saved, so people say, come. And they would come and say, yeah, how can I be saved? She's not actually saying anything wrong. She's kind of telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe Paul, like Jesus, knew that, okay, you're going to get some factual, some some truth from from the enemy, but it's never going to end well. It's not going to, you know, it's going to go wrong. It'll get get misunderstood and then twisted. And so you have to stop, stop it right at the beginning. Even, even when they're correct, they're not having this journey. Well, they're, yeah, clearly they're wanting to, they're, they're end up distorting the truth and leaving people straight. Messing their lives up. Yeah. Hmm. So she kept this up for many days. Uh, and so what, what do we see this, what is Paul's pattern here? What are the believers, what is that little team doing in this uh, city of um, Philippi? So every day they're going up and what are they doing? They're going to the same spot. Yeah, it looks like it. It looks like they're going like, you know, Paul would go to a synagogue. We haven't got a synagogue to go. I find the place of prayer. I do my little spiel. It works. There's a little community that begins to form and so every day they go to the same spot because what has been what has been the call what is what is actually the dream said come and preach us the gospel so that's exactly what they're doing they they find they go to the same spot and they continue to do their thing and every day this demon comes and and yells and does their little scream and maybe that's not the only thing she said yeah. I mean it's the only thing that's recorded is what she's saying but maybe she did some other stuff <clears throat> what her owners were doing we have no idea why they weren't trying to stop her and actually get her to go and do others her real job which is make them money we don't know um, but either either way they're uh, uh, Paul has he gets he gets his does his head in. Finally, Paul becomes so troubled that he turns around and says to the spirit. So there's it, it reaches some saturation point for him. At some point, he's he's had enough. The word here is is, is the same root that expresses the spirit of Jesus, not allowing them to go into Bithynia. It's the 
it's even stronger reinforced that he has he is now being even more strongly constrained with the same word entry. It's a quite interesting contrast. Uh, say that again, Arya. The word association here is the same word that prevented Paul from going into Bithynia. He yep. was restrained on the other side of the yep. before they, they set sail. Now the, the same word is katakotheo. It's even he's being even more strongly constrained, and, the, and it's, the use of the same word is suggesting that this is a this is a work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That that he's now going to cast out the demon. That is constraining Paul. From casting out the demon. No, to do it. Ah, uh, to do it. Yes. Okay, yeah. So he's so troubled he's, that he now goes out and does it. Cool. And he does it in the name of Jesus the Messiah. I command you to come out of her. Okay. So at that moment, the spirit left her. So anything there that uh, we, we can make a note of about the casting out of a demon? Very straightforward. Very straightforward. You don't need to have his name. Didn't need to, didn't need his name. That's right. We needed the name of the Messiah. Okay, it's very straightforward. It didn't seem like there's you know, holy water and you know candles and all that stuff. I'm not saying that's bad, but um, I would I would note here that we tend to misapprehend this phrase in the name of Jesus. Yeah, it does not mean simply pronouncing uh, holy letters and syllables. It means acting on his behalf and for his sake. That's right. It's an oath of loyalty. His representative on earth, not simply pronouncing his name as a, as a man of charm. That's right. In the name of Jesus is an oath, is, is your, your, like your oath of loyalty. Um, they tell the spirit to come out of her. Where do we tell the spirit to go? Right, you don't tell the spirit to go anywhere. <laughs> Right? You just say, go out, right? Um, and and you, there's no go to hell, go around the block, you know, wait there until Jesus comes back. You know, there's no, there's no, just you leave. You don't tell them to go anywhere other than out. But in Sunday service, you say, go to Jesus. We say yeah. it to the cross. Oh, to go right, to right, the right. cross. Yes. Go to the cross. Yeah. All Thank the devil's you. works. Yeah, go to the cross of Jesus. Here it's a go out. So at that moment, yep, the spirit left. So, uh, the, the, the battle's won. Now the owners of the slave girl uh, don't rush to turn them into gods. This time they realize that their chance of making money is not good. So we grab uh, Paul and Silas and we're going to assume the rest of them as well. Okay. Uh, and drag them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Okay, so they're, they're back inside the city. They brought them before the magistrate and they say, these men are Jews. Right? We haven't seen many of these people around. Okay, There's, there are not many of them. And uh, they are throwing our city into an uproar uh, by advancing, advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. Anything there about that charge? Absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely Jews. Throwing the city to an uproar, and we. <laughs> As Romans, they are polytheists who worship the emperor. Yeah. So they're, they're running afoul of everything. Yeah. Guilty as charged. There's no relation to the money side of things. There's no relation. Yeah, like they've just blown my. Uh, yeah. Yeah. These, these guys cast out a demon. Oh wow, cool. Well done, chaps. You know, there's none of that. Um, 
There goes my retirement. There goes my retirement, yeah. Uh, so their, their charge uh, is half true. It, it avoided some of it, but it, the, the rest of it is actually quite true. So it's not like they can say, um, he's, he's not right there, we are Jews, yes. And we are kind of telling you that there's only one God. You're right, you're all a bunch of pagans. And um, sorry we threw it up into uproar. That's not actually our fault. No, wait, yes it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll get into their punishment and, and, and things next week. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page or leaving a review in iTunes. You can offer practical support to Christ Church Jerusalem by clicking the Donate Now button on our Facebook page. Thank you and blessings from the City of the King.